Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Hi, welcome to the Kudzu Vine for March 25th, 2018. I'm your host, Dave McLaughlin. Join me as always. Welcome, Catherine Smith. Greetings from Atlanta. And welcome, Tim Shiflett. Good evening, sir. All right, good to have y'all on. And just kind of setting up the show, here in about 20 minutes into the podcast, we're going to have John Aristotle Phillips coming on for the second time. We'll be discussing political issues today through the lens of the world's leading political prediction market, um, predict it, and uh, ask him about different things as it relates to what he's doing there. But, of course, if you're making predictions on what's going on in the world of politics, you're talking about the world of politics. Um, And speaking of the world of politics, the biggest event um, of the weekend, probably the biggest of uh, March in quite some time, I don't know after they had the numbers up, it may even go further than that, was um, the March for Our Lives. It ha- the main one happened in Washington, D.C., but there were marches in pretty much every major to decent-sized city in America, and I think there were even some outside of America, although maybe in countries that actually have um, stricter gun laws, so that was kind of different. Um, Tim, what was your thoughts, I guess, on first on the Washington and then just generally across the country? Well, just a massive crowd there in Washington, a great program. Um, I I saw one pundit say that I guess it was to the largest youth-led protest since the Vietnam War uh, from Washington, D.C. to Seattle. Uh, I mean, you mentioned uh, just every decent size, Helena, Montana, uh, Salt Lake City. Uh, the Phoenix, um, the Atlanta, Salem, Oregon, Los Angeles, Oakland, San Diego, uh, New York City, Boston, Chicago, Houston, Minneapolis, down there in Parkland, Florida, where where all of this started. Uh, They had 20,000 there. Omaha, uh, you mentioned overseas, Paris. Uh, there was one in New Zealand, about the, in, in Japan, in London. It, it, it was just everywhere, and uh, man, it it uh, this thing's come together pretty fast. Um, and they had two themes: they were really targeting the NRA, and the other theme was we're not going away. And those of you that can vote, so. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how much staying power this has. If something like this goes on through the election, look out, right? Yes, um, and I, I think a point they made is, you know, everybody thinks, oh, it's kids. It's people that are 17 and a half, 18 years old that will be able to vote on election day, and then a lot more they'll be able to vote later on. Um, Catherine, what are some of your thoughts on you know, all the different uh, marches throughout the country and really the world. 
Well, I watched a lot of it, um, the coverage um, from Atlanta, and they covered, you know, cities around the country and around the world. It was really moving and inspirational, and um, I thought it was great that they, in Atlanta at least, the only um, non-youth person that spoke was Congressman John Lewis, who spoke very briefly and just sort of basically said, keep going, don't give up we're supporting you. I mean, he was really, of course, really great. But there were a bunch of young people that spoke, and, um, oh, and the mayor. The mayor did speak. Um, But I thought it was, like one of you said, it really came together fast, and it was really well organized. Um, I watched a little bit of the Parkland, Florida group and the the rally there, and they were really organized and very eloquent and, I mean, the the message of um, unity against guns and um, also um, they were quite um, quite f- forward about the fact that they recognize that they are, you know, a predominantly white privileged um, young people and that they stand with all of they, they talked about um Black Lives Matter and about um, all the communities that face um, gun violence every day, and that they're working, they're standing with them as well. I thought it was really um, very um, sensitive and not tone deaf at all, like some of these things can be. I was really impressed with all the you know people that I heard and and it was absolutely they talked a lot about voting and voting out the people that don't that don't um, do something about these gun laws. Yeah, and I definitely think that if you were older, there were people that were, you know, fully adults that could speak and speak from a place where it was, um, you know, respected. You know, uh, John Lewis spoke very – worked very closely with Dr. King. He died of gun violence. I think in New York, Paul McCartney actually marched, and uh, they, you know, talked to him, and he pointed out, John Lennon died from a gun. Uh, Amy Schumer, I think she spoke in L.A., and w- one of her movies, people got shot up, and apparently it was because it was a, a protest in some ways against her, those actions that that guy took. Um, and, and so, therefore, uh, I think it depended on your story. If you were an adult, you know, how are you tied to it? And it was respected at that point if you were. Um, well, kind of, you know, staying with this but changing gears a little bit, one thing I found pretty shocking is a lot of the pushback and flack that a lot of these speakers have gotten, um, a lot of the folks on the right, you know, different commentators on Fox News have really, you know, questioned their motives and who's running this thing. And even I saw in 60 Minutes a few weeks ago when they had some of these students from Florida, uh, they said that they had gotten death threats, and I would expect that the young lady – um, Emma Gonzalez, that has she talks about how she's very identifiable because her lack of hair, her shaved head. That, that they may become lightning rods, and um, people may, you know, kind of attack them at least verbally uh, in the future. I, I find this so sad that people are um, questioning their motives. Tim, have you seen and read some of this? Yeah, and you know, NRA TV is 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 saying things, you know, like uh, 
the Parkland students wouldn't anybody even know their names if if, if this hadn't happened and and that sort of thing. Um, but but I also <laughs> noticed uh, when when it came time to hit the pavement yesterday, like in Salt Lake City, there were six times as many marchers as there were counter marchers. In Phoenix, Arizona, two dozen gun rights supporters showed up, and 15,000 marchers showed up. Uh, what these people are is what they've always been. They, they they talk a lot even though they're in a clear minority. Right. Um, and, and, you know, it's time for us to recognize this in this country, that an organization with, uh, you know, less than 1% of the population Will so much power, so much fear among uh, members of Congress and other elected officials who are just afraid to oppose them because they're afraid they'll they'll lose. So, you know. Yeah, uh, Catherine. Some of the pushback it came from a lot of different sources from the right. Um, how tone deaf do you feel it was? Oh, it was toned up, and I just think it's sort of like, um, you know, I mean, these are young people who are <clears throat> who should be studying for chemistry exams and getting ready for prom, and they're at protests, you know, speaking about speaking out about something that's important to them, and about, and who faced you know incredible losses in their personal lives. So I think it's pretty. Um, mean-spirited to attack them you know i mean if you don't agree with them that's okay but you don't have to attack the the messenger just get make a strong if you if you believe your message is stronger then just make your stronger message i i think it's it's um just mean-spirited and it looks bad to attack these young people who are you know using their constitutional rights to stand up and talk about something that's important to them. Yeah, and I think it would have to, you know, scare a lot of folks on the right just because the numbers, I think a Pew study came out and showed that millennials, and this group is actually the generation after the millennials. I want to say it's Generation Z. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, And so – um, I, I know I, I'm in Generation X, so once they just start giving letters to folks that kind of doesn't have the same um, memorability as the uh, baby boomers or the millennials or something that's kind of distinctive. Um, but nevertheless, the numbers on the millennials, there's like a 27-point um, swing towards the Democratic Party. Uh, you would think that this generation is probably similar, if not even more slanted, so the Republican Party knows the demographics are bad, although, in fairness, probably as people get older, there will be a slow creep, not, you know, slow, but be, albeit, uh, but possibly to Republican Party if they can hang on that long. Um, but talking about another poll, Fox News did a poll, and actually for all of their um, bias on their actual newscast and their topic selection, their polling outfit is not near as slanted. And it was just, those numbers were astounding. I actually sent it to y'all, and I think some of the measures were as high as 91% of the people favoring them. Um, almost every measure 
um, you know, had a clear majority of folks favoring, you know, banning automatic we- or semi-automatic weapons, uh, mental health checks, um, you know, some kind of background checks. There, all these different measures were so favored. Tim, what did you make of these? And this isn't wasn't the only poll this week like this, but what did you make yeah. of these numbers? You know, you know, these polls of the American people are highlighting a total disconnect between the American people at large and elected officials, like I said, who, again, are afraid to oppose the NRA and its power and its money. Uh, Like, for instance, uh, 72% in this poll favored uh, raising the age of being able to buy a gun from 18 to 21, and in Congress, you've seen, you've seen that, that that went nowhere. Nothing got done, never came up for a vote, nothing. Even Trump backed off of it after talking to members of the NRA and their lobbyists. Uh, so you, you, you just wonder if, if anything is going to be – you know what's going to have to be done is a bunch of these people got to be voted out of office. Yep, those that's kids a, that's are happened. saying it. Those kids are saying it just right when they're saying we're tired of getting shot at because you politicians won't do something about them. And I, I think that's a pretty good case to make right there, don't you, Catherine? I do. I think. I mean, I think that they're just they're afraid of whatever the you know whether they're going to get primaried or they're going not going to get the money or whatever it is. They're, and they don't seem to be able to uh, talk about it either. You know, they, you know, they're they run circle, they run in circles, like spinning um, their reaction. Oh, you know, ho- you know, hope and prayers or whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think you're right. They just have to get voted out, and and we have to we have to follow the the voting. We have people have to track the voting and look at the contributions, and you know. And, and talk about it much more openly than we have in the past. Now, I do want to ask you a question about that 18 to 21 uh, limit. I don't and agree with I'm that. I'm not a yeah, gun I don't guy. Agree with that. But, well, here's the thing. Do you think constitutionally it would withstand a lawsuit? I, I don't know constitutionally if you uh, – the same gun that you oh, allowed whoa, whoa, people whoa, from whoa. 21 up to have, where, you would have where, it. I know alcohol, it, but alcohol is different it, than a gun. Where, yeah, but where does it say in the Constitution that there is an age at which you can purchase a firearm besides no war? There, there's not. That, no. Therefore, I think okay. I think that's what's going to happen is somehow somebody's going to interpret that as an infringement <laughs> of the Second Amendment. I think what they're better off doing – is you find types of guns that are you know strictly meant to kill other people, not deer, not um, you know any type of other wild game, and you ban those for everybody. I think that's the or, or put regulations on guns for all ages, um, and I think that's going to be a clearer course um, than you know some type of age limit because. You know, the guy that, that that shot up Las Vegas, and you know how I feel about that. That was actually, to me, the more scary shooting of almost any of these recently. He was like 50-something. And, and so obviously this doesn't have an age on it. People at any age 
um, can kind of uh, lose their their bearings, if you will, and then if they have access to well, these automatic, semi-automatic weapons, there becomes the problem. I, I agree. I, I agree with you, David. I don't. I'm not crazy about this changing the age. I just. I, I think it's eyewash. I don't think it really matters. Um, I think that the more important thing is background checks for all guns purchased, all guns, not none of these loopholes with the gun shows and all that crap, and um, eliminating some of these, um, these 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 assault weapons that are really the only reason that you would want them. They're military weapons. The only reason you would want them is to kill people. That's the only the only time. I mean, you're not going to go hunting with an assault rifle. And uh, so I think that that's a more um, legitimate path than this, you know, not allowing people under 21 to buy guns. I don't know. I just I think well, that 21 uh, thing is. I, I just don't I just agree know with that. that. Most these, the military weapons talk about the prime age, of the military. Uh, a lot of people serve two years. They serve from 18 to 20, the age at which we're saying. Also, people hand down hunting rifles. Sometimes I'm sure people at 18 get them, when, you know, to hunt. And to me, therefore, the, the type of gun is even more important than the age and what we ought to be having it for. Um, concealed weapons, this wasn't talked a lot about, but obviously concealed weapons, smaller pistols probably contribute to many more deaths because they kill one at a time instead of, you know, 20 at a time. Um, well, let's go ahead, and, and I think we're – we could probably go on about this all night, but we're also at a point where we can transition over. And let's go ahead and talk to our guest for the evening. Welcome back to the Kudzu Vine, John Aristotle Phillips of Predicted. Hey, thanks for having me back on. Oh, great Welcome to have back. you. Um, well, the good news is, John, we, can, we don't have to do bio. We don't have to do what Predicted is exactly because we hope our listeners know so we can really get deep into politics quick. And uh, my first question was going to be, just in general, you're setting all these political markets. You're trying to, you know, find that midpoint, but you're doing it with a very in- unpredictable source that influences so many of these markets, Donald Trump. So my question to you is, how hard is it to set the line, if you will, and I may be using a, a sports betting <laughs> term, not the proper prediction term. You fix me there. With Donald Trump involved. Oh, well, it sounds to me like you know your way around a couple of betting sites. Is that true? <laughs> no, it, it's actually not. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That, that was not a very convincing denial. So, so, uh, <laughs> so, first of all, thanks for having me back on, guys. I very much appreciate it. There's a lot going on on, uh, on the betting markets and unpredicted we can, we can get into. Uh, so, so the way it works, actually, it's, it's, it's structured less, it's less Vegas, more Wall Street. It's structured like a stock market. So for everybody who says that the odds of uh, Trump to be, you know, not finish his term to be impeached in his first term, there's got to be somebody on the other side of that bet. And, and the price at which the odds are fixed, 44%, yes, 60%, yes, that is set by the price that effectively is negotiated between the guy that thinks it's going to happen and the person on the other side who thinks it's not going to happen. So we don't really have to worry too much about what the, what the correct odds are. The market sets that up just like the market finds the right price for 
you know, orange juice futures or Facebook stock. And while we're on the subject of Facebook, the big question <laughs> this week is, will Mark Zuckerberg testify to Congress before June 30th? What do you guys think the odds of that one are on predicted? Um, I guess closer to no than yes. That's just my guess. Catherine? I think it's closer to yes than no, but I think I looked at it earlier today, so I might be. <laughs> You're not supposed to say that, you, so you already saw it. Okay. It's as well, of this moment. Well, I don't remember, moment, but, but. Yeah, it, it, it's at 64%. So will Mark Zuckerberg testify to Congress before June 30th? Yes is 64%. Now, we launched this market on Tuesday, and the odds have remained above 50%. With only a few interday dips in the, in the sort of unlikely territory, they've re- remained above 50%. And then when Zuckerberg told reporters this week that he is, quote, unquote, happy to testify and that he'd, quote, unquote, love to see regulations on advertising transparency that would impact his company, uh, forecast went up to 64%. So, you know, Zuckerberg is going to get schooled on uh, what it means to testify before Congress, happy or not. Uh, and uh, Congress is going to, you know, they're, they're going to call them in. Uh, how about this? Which party will win the House after midterms? What do you think the odds of that are? Tim, we'll give you first crack at this one. Well, I'm going to pass because I also saw that. So <laughs> I'm going to give you, those of you who did not see Don't it. Don't give it to yeah. me. you got to give it to David because I looked at it. You know, you guys are I, supposed I to think, talk down the odds and then buy on the dip. And <laughs> what well, is I it? think the odds that the Democrats are going to win the House is so, probably buy on higher the than the stock yeah, Zuckerberg number 64. Yeah. But how about it's actually fifty nine percent. I think the I think the Wall Street adage is you buy on the rumor, sell on the news. Is that right? So yeah, you know you're not supposed to you you're not supposed to like say you've seen the stats. You're supposed to talk the opposite of whatever position you're going to take, right? Then the uh, <laughs> then the price goes down. You you talk down. Oh no, Democrats will not control the you know they they're not going to win control of the midterms. But uh, anyway, so the odds of that are fifty nine percent which is amazing if you think about it. Okay, here's a cut. Will fighting Joe Biden run in 2020? How, mm. Okay, fighting Joe Biden. Uh, now, now, John, I'm going to stop you right there. I want you to make a lot of money. Forget Joe Biden running in 2020. <laughs> this past week, Joe Biden essentially challenged Donald Trump to a fight. How much money would predict it make on the markets if that thing could get signed for SummerSlam or WrestleMania or just a, a straight-up one-on-one pay-per-view with no undercard, uh, well, y'all would be double your business. That is a great idea. Can I get back to you on that? <laughs> if you can get it signed. What a terrific idea. Happen, we stage, yeah, we stage. We get like a wrestle. What do you think it should, should be? Should it be boxing? Should it be wrestling? What do you think? I mean – I see these guys, you know, as sort of sumo wrestlers, right? In the, you know, I see. What do you think? I think uh, cage fighting um, with less <laughs> rules would be what we'd all want, but it might be more appropriate green jello with pair wrestling, uh, given their age. <laughs> there you go, and we'll get Stormy Daniels in the in the jello as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, here we go. Will Mueller be replaced by June 30th? So yes is 24%. I would think that would be a lot higher. I would think that, you know, 
It would be high, but it's only it's less than a quarter, less than you know one in four chance. The market, right, says so for twenty four cents, twenty four percent, twenty four cents, you can buy a yes share that Mueller will be replaced by June thirtieth, or you know for the opposite of that, seventy six cents, you can say a no, a no share, and whoever whatever happens on June thirty by June thirtieth, that person who was right gets the full dollar. Well, well, let's kind of – I'm going to throw it back to you, and then I'm going to let Tim and Catherine ask some questions of you too. Um, do you think that the reason it's so low is because people are thinking that if Donald Trump were to do this, as many, including Lindsey Graham, have said, his presidency is essentially over because he'll lose all credibility? Yeah, maybe, except, you know, I mean, people were writing off – I mean, with all – with all respect to to uh, Senator Graham, you know people have been saying his his presidency, his his campaign is over. You know, <laughs> you know, a year a year and a half ago. Uh, in fact, they were saying it a week before the election. So yeah, the day before the know, election. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so you know, I, I think uh, I, I would just think there's a very good chance as 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 you know Mueller closes in if that's what happens here. I think there's a, you know, I think you may not want to corner this guy. Anyway, will Trump, okay, so will Trump testify to the special counsel in 2018? So the odds of that are yes, he will testify, 55% odds, meaning the stock to buy yes on that is 55 cents. And if he does testify, then you get a dollar. And that may be affected by one of your other questions, Will the Democrats take the House and the Senate? Because if they take it, then that may force his hand a little more. I'm going to push it over to Tim uh, so he can continue to ask you questions about predicted. Tim? Uh, here's one I've always wanted to ask, uh, and, I, and I'm sure you've been asked this before, but you talk about a person on one side of the bet and a person on the other side of the well, if you have that, it's almost like a setup for an election. So is your market a more accurate predictor than, say, opinion polls would be? Great question. All right. So we're often compared to an opinion poll uh, or opinion polls. And I, you know, I come out of a background where I manage political campaigns, not just in the United States, but I've, I've been involved in political campaigns in other countries and, and polling is very very useful and effective and and often can be quite accurate as a snapshot of what the electorate is thinking here's the the, the short answer to your question is predict it and markets in general stock markets in general are better forecasters of the future than opinion polls period end of story now i can give you some reasons why they that is and in fact Predicted is an academic, it's a research project of Victoria University and now more than 80 other universities trying to understand why it is that markets, stock markets in particular, but markets are accurate forecasters of future events, whether it's pork belly prices or orange juice futures or hurricane landfall options, where the hurricane's going to hit. There are markets on all of those things in addition to Facebook stock or, or other things. But markets have a, are, are un, it's uncanny how accurate they are. And the theories are varied, but one is wisdom of crowds. You've got a whole bunch of people, and they all voice their opinion, and from all that you're going to get an accurate forecast. Other, the, other theories 
one of which I subscribe to is insider information. In a market, unlike in a public opinion poll, you have people who have superior information. They know something that somebody that other people don't know. And those are the people who will make money. And so another theory as to why markets are so accurate is because you have insiders. It's a a magnet for information for people with information. Another theory, which I, I like, I'm not sure how much stock to put in this, but to use, to to use a pun, uh, the 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 idea that with with a market where you've got a little bit of skin in the game, yeah. you're mm-hmm. more likely to it clears your head, and so you vote you when you have even a dollar riding on a prediction, you're more likely to be realistic in terms of what your expectations are. The problem with public opinion polls is you're asking people what they want to have happen. You know, who are you going to vote for? As opposed to who do you think is going to win? And mm-hmm. predict it and market, say, who do you think is going to win? And by the way, I want a dollar. I want you to bet a dollar or $850 or whatever the amount is on this outcome. So skin in the game, it's, I don't know the answer to your question, but markets, the answer is markets are more accurate than public opinion polling, and, and why they are more accurate is subject to debate. Okay. Now, another uh, question um, you have you you have markets on everything, including individual U.S. Senate, House races, and their primaries, and this and that and the other, all over the country. Do you believe that most of the action, most of the betting action on these individual contests, are from people with skin in the game who are actually in those states or districts? Or is it a more national audience weighing in on these individual races? So that's another great question. Thank. Okay. So let me extract. Let me expand on that question first before giving you what 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 we think is going on here. Are Iowa is is a grandma in Iowa? who is betting on predicted, going to be more accurate in her predictions than a fat cat inside the Beltway who runs a political action committee that gave a 1000 bucks to a senator in Iowa, or in California for that matter. Does the, does the, the uh, proximity to the centers of power, does that make you a better forecaster or a worse forecaster because you're sort of caught inside this beltway bubble and you hear it's like an echo chamber and everybody says, well, this could never happen because it's so unconventional. We've been here, we've been in Washington for all these years and we've never seen anything like this happening, but it happens. So the, the, the question, the answer is that the, what comprises a, a, a superior or what we call a super forecaster is individuals who pay who are able to shut out the noise and the bias and the fake news and all the other stuff and able to focus on the actual data. Those are the people that make the best forecasters. And often those are people that are a long way from Washington, D.C. They may not be in the district where the election Mm -hmm. is, the state where the election is taking place. They may just be really good forecasters. And there are some outstanding – we have about 80,000 individuals in the United States who are in predicted – and, and making these forecasts, these $1 winner-take-all contracts. And 
And, you know, they're, they're not, they're, yeah. I mean, we have the, the zip code of the white house and the zip code of the Congress and, and state capitals that, you know, they are very popular zip codes for our traders, but by no means are they, you know, more than 20%. So, uh, and what really matters is how accurate they are. Mm-hmm. All right, and with that, I'm going to send it over to Catherine. Catherine? Well, thanks so much for being on. This is all very interesting to me. I'm I'm not a big fan of polls, I think, because, uh, like you said, they're, people are really saying what they want to happen, whereas I, I, I yeah. tend to think the skin-in-the-game uh, theory is, oh, yeah. is, is mm-hmm. pretty um, spot-on. But anyway... I was. I've been wondering. Do you have any um, like how much demographic information do you have about the people who are uh, are I don't know how to say it playing unpredicted or whatever you however you want to yeah. however you want to say trading. it. Um, like do you know yeah trading. Do you know is it um, pretty split as far as um, political ideology, um, age, you know all those things. Do you do you have do you have a snapshot of the average predicted uh, individual, or do you not collect that information? We do. No, we do. So, so the the first of all, it, it spans in age from 18 up to you know. There's, I think we've got a 90 year old. Uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> actually, my mom is 93, and she's unpredicted. So that tells you something. <laughs> <laughs> but but the the typical predicted trader is a male in their uh, 30s or 20s, uh, they are, uh, uh, you know, they're, 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 oh, there's, they're demographically in terms of, the, or, or politically, it's one-third Democrats, one-third Republicans, one-third independents, just wow. like the electorate, just like the electorate. So there's no real skew <laughs> That's there. That's really interesting. Yeah. But the, the, these are, these are people who come in. Some some come in once a week, and they will check their prices and you know, check their stock, check their invest their portfolio, and then make adjustments to it. Bakes. Others will come in every day, um, and they're all U.S. residents right now. So it's a it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting crowd. And and then what makes the super forecasters? You know, that's really where a lot of these universities are researching. What you know? Because look, if you can predict Brexit or Trump election or any of these things in advance, you know, you are, you know, what you've got there is a crystal ball and you're yeah. able to sort of part the curtain. Not, you don't have 2020 vision into the future, but you, the extent to which you have a, some better optics in terms of what's coming down the road is hugely valuable. And what is, what do those um, super predictors look like? Do you have well, like are they question. are they different are they different Go or ahead. are they just part of the same um, set just they're just super predictors or don't you know well so that that answer I will tell you if you I will give you the answer to that question if you invite me back on your show uh, in, <laughs> in the future uh, but yes there there are some characteristics of super forecasters and uh, it's this, it's you know it, it's it's surprise it's in some ways, it's very surprising, but also, you know, it's you think about people who are able to, to. I can tell you this: they aren't the TV pundits who are on TV every night talking about what's going to happen. Oh right, hmm. yeah. Well, we, we, we suspected that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think? So, what's the um, what's the future like? What do you think? Um, I mean, I didn't look 
like really closely. How far? I mean, are you doing like state um, House and state Senate races, or um, is it really limited to congressional and Senate races? Well, we so yeah, so we get requests from traders and from news organizations and others all the time asking us to put up a market on X, Y, or Z, and. Hello. Whether we do one, John. Yeah, I'm here. Yep. Okay. I'm okay. here. You got me. So the question is, what yeah. makes for you know uh, what makes a good market that people are going to want to forecast, you know, put their money into, and if it's something that's going to happen four years from now or you know two and a half years, so the 2020 presidential election, it's got to be a big thing, and already right. there's a lot of betting on 2020. Who's going to be the Democratic nominee? The Republican. Yeah, John, your connection kind of dropped for a second. I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes. Is that yeah, okay? I can now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. So the the uh, the, the 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 nearer term markets are ones that make for more interest by traders, because and also the more volatile markets, which is why Trump is a gift. You know, <laughs> you just don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> right. And so, and so we have some of the most popular markets right now are how many times will Donald Trump tweet this week? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you think it's, you know, you, on the one hand, it sounds kind of frivolous, but it's actually really important and it moves markets. Right. And it, it is, it's now official government policy. When he tweets something out, that's the president speaking. So, yeah. so we're experimenting with different types of markets, how granular we get, how, how, you know, how much we drill down into the political events is is a good question, but there's so much there's so much great stuff out there. I mean, for instance, you know, what city will be picked for the Olympics? You know, the next the Olympics ten years from now in, in the sweepstakes. What what city will be picked by Amazon for their you know for their headquarters? You know, so all these all these questions are great questions for prediction markets, and and it produces valuable information not just about who makes a super forecaster, but also what's going to happen. It's really it's all very interesting. I'm I'm kind of fascinated by it. And thank you so much well, for being on. Back we really, on your we show really and I'll... we really enjoy having you on. Um, go ahead, David. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, John, something related to kind of that Olympic question you asked. And I had to think I had sent it to you after your first appearance on the Kudzu Vine. Was the Amazon H2 headquarters? If you talk about non-political, even though everything's political some way, uh, yeah. where they're going to place that headquarters is one of the most fascinating questions in um, America right now. That's not political. Um, is that something yeah. that you can logistically look at, or is that something that's just not a fit for predicted? No, after you recommended it, we we have been looking at that specific question, and and I don't I don't um, I'm not on the the part of the group. It's small. It's a, you know three people at, at the company here, who decide what makes a good question, and they have to word the question in a way where it's truly binary, meaning it's yes or no, right? Will it be San Francisco? Yes or no? Those make good questions. If it's sort of fuzzy, and they put it you know, halfway between San Francisco and Palo Alto, you know, then you've got a question as to where they, you know, was it really San Francisco or not? 
So we are going to we're looking at that question closely because it, it it's a we've gotten we've gotten multiple requests for creating a market on that. And it's it, to me it's fascinating as well. I mean and it's also interesting for lots of reasons with super forecasting, right? How is information leaking into the market? What is, you know, who's going to be able to, you know, is it who's going to be able to make the most accurate forecast on this? So that's one that we we very much want to do. We're also going to start adding some economic indicators and those will be kind of interesting. Um, you know, just because of, of what they cover. So, you know, this whole thing with Facebook is fascinating. I mean, it's gonna, it could take several, you know, how many Facebook users will cancel their accounts, right? That's, you know, is it going to be 1%? Is it going to be 10%? Yeah, and I'll lay to the Cambridge Analytica, and I think I heard even like Snapchat, which was, wasn't related to the election, but their stock went down. So a lot of these things are very fluid. Um, well, John, I want to thank you for coming to the show. And I tell you what, if you can get this Biden Trump fight done, uh, we can have you on it. You know, if you can sign it this week. We'll have you again on Easter. I just want them. I just want those boxer robes they come out with to have predicted on the back. That's all I care about. <laughs> that could be part of the deal. That's it. Well, Who well, loves before, you, baby? Okay. Seriously, before you go, tell folks how to get to the site and how to sign up and any of the logistics. You bet. Okay. So the site is www.predictit.com. And predictit is spelled P-R-E-D-I-C-T-I-T.com. So it's www.predictit.com. And if you go to the site, you can make you can just peruse it. There's no problem. You just check out what the different markets are. And then if you're so inclined, you can open an account using a credit card for as little as 10 bucks. And then you can start making predictions. It's really fun. Uh, and and it's, uh, you're, you're participating. Not only is it fun, but you're participating in a great experiment. So thanks very much for having me on, guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. Good All right. Good luck with predicting. See you All later. Right. Okay. That was John Aristotle Phillips of PredictIt.com. Um, always good to have him on because he really has a different perspective from the markets as opposed to when we have pollsters or something else. So just a different source of information. Um, well, l let's have our opinion on the, one of the things we talked about because it, it really was one of the more fun stories of the week. Uh, Joe Biden was down at the University of Miami <laughs> And someone asked if he'd like to debate Donald Trump, and he said if he was in high school, he'd take him up back and, you know, essentially just have a fist fight with him. Um, Catherine, was this out of character, or what do you make of this from Joe Biden? Well, you know, it's funny and all. I, I, I'm not crazy about it. I, I don't think it's, um, you know, it's not very vice presidential in my mind. Um but you know it was funny, and it's very Joe Biden. So, um, so I mean, I don't think that's the kind of thing that you want a presidential candidate to say. I guess yeah, in this age um, of Trump, in this age of Trump, it's not it's not it's not surprising, but it's not really the a characteristic that I look for in a in a um, leader. But it was funny. yeah, definitely. It was, it was, um, and it, I guess Joe Biden doesn't have the Obama filter on him anymore either. Uh, was a clear sign. Uh, t 
Tim, you know, yesterday we had thousands or really millions of teenagers that uh, possibly that organized these rallies, these peaceful protests, and yet we've got our 74-year-old uh, former vice president and a guy that served as one of the leaders of the Senate for as long as anybody in U.S. history wanting to have fistfights. Um, what do you think of this? You know, uh, I wonder if anybody hasn't looked at it from the angle that that Biden did this very purposely to get the exact reaction from Trump that he got. I mean, one guy is just a guy right now. He's a private citizen. He's not he's not in any elected office. He's no longer the vice president. He's just a guy. He he, he can pretty much say anything like you said he doesn't have the filter anymore that he that he once had to endure the other guys the president of the united states when he says off the wall things like this it just you know takes his stock down a little bit more if that's possible and so i i, I rather think that biden did this very very deliberately meant to do it in the hopes that Donald Trump would react exactly as he did. And he's going to file this away if he should, say, in 2020 run against him, and each one of them is the party nominee. He's going to go Trump with this type of stuff. Wait and see if he does it. He, because he knows that it gets under his skin. We can see that on Twitter when Trump is arguing with every private citizen, large and small, in the country <laughs> like some high schooler would do or something, right? Yeah, and back to high school. Um, well, I mean, Tim, <laughs> to be fair, he may just be a guy, but to pardon the pun, he's not just any average Joe. Um, but, you know, well, what's the most famous um, – I, I guess the two most famous political um, – Feuds like this in our history, and of course this is just words, so it doesn't rise to this level, would be um, Preston. I forgot Preston's last name, and he stabbed Charles, um, or no, he beat him with it like a cane on the House a or cane. the Senate floor. Senate a cane floor, on right. the Senate floor. I know Preston and Charles. i got to remember those last two names. And then, of course, Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton in the duel. You know, Hamilton got this famous Broadway play out of this thing. Uh, maybe that's mm -hmm. what Joe Biden's going for. What do you think, Catherine? I, I don't know that he's that um, uh, deliberate, like, you know, that he's thinking about making history when he makes a remark like that. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I th think I mean, in the I world think of makes Trump, a good point. It could, be, it could be very intentional to just irritate um, the president, but I still, I'm still just a little bit uncomfortable with it. Just well, David, let me assure you, it's not going to get to the point of a duel like Burr and right. Hamilton. No. Uh, we have no. history to guide us there. Uncle Sam has offered Trump a gun five different times, and he declined the, you know, the honor of accepting one. So Donald Trump. It's not going to go pack into this fight, okay? Uh. <laughs> Definitely not. Well, and since we've been talking about fist fights, let's see if we can, you know, raise 
I'm sorry, lower the discourse of this show even further and talk about <laughs> Donald Trump week outside of Russia. Um, in the past week, uh, maybe a little longer, one of these we've known about for several weeks, maybe even going on months now, um, time just seems to skew in Donald Trump world. We have a porno star, Stormy Daniels, that has you know an, a, an affair talked about apparently while we're going on, whether you listen to this on podcast or watch 60 Minutes on DVR, uh, we're both going live with the same information. And then there was a, a Playboy Playmate. There was a Apprentice contestant. And I want to say there's a fourth person this week. I, I think we know there's probably more, um, just gut feeling. But um, Catherine, I, I can't say I'm surprised, but what do we make of all this this week? Well, I, I guess I think that uh, some of these women are feeling uh, emboldened by, you know, Stormy Daniels coming forward and um, other people speaking out and perhaps, you know, along with the Me Too and the all the other, you know, converse, national conversations about sexual harassment and um, bigger than that sort of women's empowerment, I think maybe they just felt they've felt empowered and emboldened to come forward. And, or yeah, maybe they're not, just not doing hearing it. him talk. Well, and you mentioned the Me Too movement, and a lot of that has to do with sexual harassment, unwanted advances, and from what I understand, now we may find out there's more, but a lot of this was consensual. Do you find it sort of disturbing that back during the campaign, there was a lot of um, accusations of non-consensual advances, the statement that was so famous on the bus with Billy Bush that was obviously mm. assault if, if he did what, what he said he did, um, but yet this is all consensual, and this seems to have more contract traction than the uh, non-consensual. Catherine? Well, I think part of that is the fact that it happened, I mean, most of these, uh, the examples that we're talking about happened while he was married. And, I mean, this thing with Stormy Daniels was while he was married and his wife was pregnant with their child. So I think that's the kind of thing that, you know, uh, garners a lot of um, anger um, from our in our country, we don't like that. We think it's. I mean, we have a lot of opinions about cheating, and um, so I think that's that may be part of it. I don't know. It's hard to know what prompted these women to do this, and I'm I'm not bothered by the fact that the claim is that it was consensual. I think the fact that he for, he tried to force them to 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 sign NDAs and um all this sort of like hiding it and then trying to pay them off, I think that's also uh something that people don't like to hear about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of an admission that he in his mind was doing something wrong if he had to keep it quiet. Right. Mm-hmm. Um Tim, what's your thoughts here? Well, you know, you you also sent us the companion article to this uh, about Trump is actually considering fighting back 
wait for it on with these <laughs> women. Why on earth would he be possessed? Can he just not be quiet? Can, is it just not in him? What is the upside of him starting a war on Twitter with these women? He he doesn't need to gin his base up anymore. They're they're already with him through thick and well lately very thin. Um, so far as advisors have kept him quiet on this, but most of them have now quit or gotten fired. Uh, it, it just doesn't seem to be in his nature to be quiet, but to draw attention to it. Will only hurt him with voters at large. It's not going to help. Um, gosh, I hope he's not watching Stormy Daniels tonight. I really think he'd be better off if he were listening to us. Uh, because he's got a choice between watching her right now, and she's on 60 Minutes right now. The interview just concluded. Uh, if he's got a choice between watching her and listening to us, his, his temperature probably wouldn't have gone up as much if he's listening uh to to us it, you you watch so this guy's going to start with these women on twitter i i, I believe you know it, it's not out there for a reason is it uh for no reason is it david he's actually thinking about doing this isn't he yeah and i guess a lot of it they say is how does melania receive it and he wants to keep oh, her happy Lord. or less mad I don't know that a Twitter fight with them, I don't know how impressed she'll be by that. I don't know if there's anything he can do at this point to repair the relationship. Um, Catherine, have you heard the rumors that the whole end game is make sure Melania doesn't leave me, uh, keep her as happy as possible through all this? <laughs> oh, I haven't heard that, but she's clearly not very happy. You heard what happened no. Friday, right? <laughs> right. Well, tell us. She, she went. Um, she took a limo to the airport instead of riding in the um, helicopter with him to to um, Air Force One. And then when they got there, she just like ru- like rushed ahead of him down the stairs from the airplane and just like walked off without him. With one hand in, they said she had one hand in her pocket and the other hand on her on the railing. She wouldn't hold hands with him. Yeah. She just like went, went ahead of him it, and hustled it, away. You, you know, Catherine, it was it, it, it gave a visual of like she was actually traveling alone, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's exactly her, what it seemed. And her um, spokesperson, I can't remember if it was What's-Her-Name or Melania's spokesperson, when asked about why she didn't travel with him in the helicopter, they said that her schedule um, made it possible for her to go by limousine like what does that mean (laughs) you have a choice oh let's go by helicopter or let's go by limo in washington dc you're going to go by helicopter because it's much faster but she you know she was like uh, apparently she had enough time she could go by limo but well and also once again the secret service now prepare two routes and if she decides yeah, to stay well, in New York, they're going to have more resources there. Um, once David, again, that old story of stretching the Secret Service Center. Tim? We're a political show, so I'm just going to throw a heavy political question on you. 
What is the political fallout? After everything that Donald Trump has said and done, you think it can't get any worse. But are we truly, truly in uncharted territory that no politician wants to go to if she leaves him? Well, if she leaves him, I guess he would be the first president to be divorced well, in the wild in the White House. That would be he would. Uh, groundbreaking. I, I do think what this, would it do? It seems like you know, there's always a floor and a ceiling. Whether it, you're talking about mm-hmm. politics, athletics, whatever, uh, business, floor and a ceiling. It seems like the floor is hard concrete, about 35. I, I don't know that this busts through like a jackhammer and lowers that floor, but it does take that ceiling of 40, 45, whatever that ceiling is, instead of being, you know, uh, a faux drop ceiling, it becomes, you know, harder drywall. It it makes it Mm -hmm. harder for him to raise that ceiling up with things like this. Um, So I think Mm -hmm. that's the the political outcome uh, of the thing. Plus, it distracts him, and we're talking about a man that doesn't need any more distractions, both (laughs) due to his possibly uh, lowered attention span, and he's got just a little bit on his plate otherwise, Um, and it's just less time he can spend presidenting, if you will. Um, (laughs) Catherine, what do you think the political outcomes of this are? Um, I honestly don't think that – I just don't think people really care as much about – Marriages as they used to I mean I think they care about them Obviously but I don't think it has The impact that it might have had 30 years ago for example And also I mean anybody who looks At this marriage knows that it's Pretty pretty, uh, You know Fake anyway I mean I, I mean if I, I just think somewhat I mean there, there are probably you know a percentage Of people who are like I don't believe in Divorce and I can't support this president if he gets divorced But I think that there's People who 30 years ago would have been Oh this is just a, such a scandal For the US and blah blah I just don't think people are quite that outraged um, As they were, Would have been Years ago That's Well I, I, and I don't think it's that people do Or don't believe in marriage Or, or, or well, I don't believe in it But you know I, I think it's who it is if, if, if Mike Pence had all this If it came out that he was you know, with these same four women, and he had covered it up and everything. Everybody would be shocked. I mean, it would yeah, be like, would be wow. Shocking. I thought, you know, this guy, while I might not agree with him on these political opinions, I did think he was a man of integrity. It would kind of shake what we thought we thought about Mike Pence. With Donald Trump, we just didn't think that. I don't think that a lot of people thought that much of his ethical um, underpinnings, particularly when it comes to this area. So, therefore, there, he didn't have a lot to lose. Um, that would be my take yeah. I mean, on it. Tim, third marriage, oh, third marriage, and you know, there's plenty of rumors about his slandering. So it's not like, like uh, you're absolutely right. Michael Mike Pence would have been, I think, a shock. Um, you know yeah. what it would do, David? Exactly what you said a minute ago. Three to five points. Three to five points. He loses three to five points with the. You know, snake-like little thin line he drew to even get to the presidency. The second term talk is over. I believe if she left him, 
it would end his presidency at one term because he would lose that three to five points. And frankly, this guy can't afford to lose three to five votes right now, can he? No, not at all. Um, And then, of course, it may complicate how enthusiastic some parts of his base are. I mean, we'll just see, I mean, what comes out of it. I guess the three of us probably watched that interview tonight after the show. There'll be more fallout, mm-hmm. um, more get, may get known. Um, it may distract him where he slips up and reveals something about the Russia investigation, another thing that could get him, if you will. Um, but we shall see. Well, um, until next week, that's been the Cozy Vine. Good night, y'all. Good night, guys. Good night, everybody. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created.